Pascal, uh, I'm sure you, you've seen this in me quite a bit. I just give no fucks. And I just said, all right, like whatever the consequences are, I'll take them because the risk, because you mentioned before risk, the risk to reward is so high. What can, can I ask? What do, I actually don't even know. What does JP stand for? Like, like just perfect, oh. or like what is it? <laughs> wait, wait, you, you'll be blown away by this one. <laughs> That's a new one, actually. But uh, no, JP stands for uh, Jean Pierre. Oh, okay. And okay, yeah. Living in Canada, you would think, oh yeah, you're you're uh, francophone, but I'm actually not. I uh, my parents lived in France before I was born. And then I, uh, and then, um, we moved to the UK. So I was born in the UK. So I actually don't know a lot of French. I hate to say <laughs> I was besides French people. That's all you got. Right? Yeah. And I moved, you know, I moved into the most Anglo, you know, town in Canada, in the Pian, mm-hmm. uh, when I came here. So it's not like I was in a good position to learn, even though I took like years and years of, of French at, uh, you know, I do my best, but. I don't think I, I had that exact same. I had the exact same question when I met the guy. I was like, why? What's this GP stand for? I mean, it's always a mystery. Yeah. You always got to find out. Yeah. Yeah. I know. There's the back. You, you never know, like, if they're like, like, you know, hiding their name because, you know, they're a murderer or something and don't want to be like found out. You, you know, you never know. So always good to be safe. So and, why don't we? Oh, sorry, Pascal. No, you I was just going to say, why don't we do the exact same we usually do and then just walk us through your professional journey or like your design journey? Because I know it's going to be an interesting pivot at one point in your yours, which I want to touch on further, but just give us the walkthrough. Yeah, absolutely. So um, bear in mind, uh, I'm actually in my 50s now, early 50s. So, you know, I've been in the in the tech industry for almost 30 years. So apologies if this, you know, kind of goes on uh, through a couple chapters and uh, maybe a sequel or two, but uh I think in the, in the, in the beginning, right. It's like, I'm, I'm a, I think I've always been a visual person. Um, and so I've always been a designer by trade ever since I was a kid. I was like fascinated by, uh, you know, design architecture, you know, automotive industrial design. So, um, moving into, uh, a design career was super easy. It was like so natural. Um, so I was going to go, I took uh, architectural technology um, right out of high school. Um, and I took that for a year and then I dropped out. Um, so it just didn't really kind of click with me. I mean, I liked, I liked, there were just, there was just too many drawings and it was, nothing was digital at the time. So I mean, I just got bored, I think. Um, so I started my own business um, and I was, uh, it was custom painting uh, business. So it was, motorcycles, motorcycle helmets, goalie masks, uh, started that out and did that for a couple of years. And, uh, th- that business was called shell shock. I did it with a, uh, with a partner I'd met. Um, and so that was really interesting, you know, like when you're kind of 18 years old and starting your own business and, you know, lots of, it was definitely the school of hard knocks, uh, but it, it was fun. Um, and then later on, I mean, uh, eventually closed our doors. It just, you know, it's not like it was probably would have been better if we had, you know, opened our doors in California, like uh, Troy Lee designs or something like that. So, um, but, uh, later on, uh, I, 
got into digital design. It was 1994. I was just about to go to Algonquin to, to go into the graphic design uh, course. Wait, wait, hold on one, one second. Yeah. I was born the year after that. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> I know, you, you, you can have a couple of, you know, a couple of lifetimes in my career, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. So yeah, no worry. Well, continue. see, that's the thing too. I mean, I work with a lot of younger people, right? And and you know, they're born in the '80s or whatever, and I'm just like, wow, you know. Um, so anyway, it's all good. Um, so yeah, like in the in the early '90s, it was like tech boom, internet started. There was all kinds of multimedia agent agencies that did like uh, CD-ROMs and, and whatnot. So no one was paying attention to the internet, and um, so I just kind of hooked up with a lot of with these uh, tech guys, like technologists, you know, uh, consulting. My brother was in the into tech at the time, but there was no designers um, on the early days of the internet. So I just basically kind of started to help them out. I volunteered a little bit at the beginning, and then just started to. I was just self-taught, um, and then I eventually moved on from there. And, and uh, I guess I built up enough, you know, personal cred that I got uh, headhunted by um, Dell uh, Computer, which back in the day they were one of the big ecom companies um, of the time. And uh, that kind of brought me to Toronto, um, where I had uh, worked with a couple other digital kind of agencies um, and. Uh, so yeah, it's my 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 earlier days were a lot of internet and a lot of design, a lot of websites, you know, and just being exposed to every, you know, every, being thrown into every project and and there was no rules at, at that time either, which is kind of interesting, right? It's like so I, I didn't go through any of the traditional hoops or anything like that in order to you know build up my my skills or. And I think a lot of it too is just the culture of the companies back then, like the entrepreneurial uh, mindset is they had no rules. Like they were, they were all real breakers. Right. Um, so it, it was really nice to be exposed to all these smart people, but all of these people have thought like really differently. So that kind of brings us, you know, midway to my career. And, uh, and then I came back to Ottawa worked for, for some agencies over here, um, um, but eventually found that, you know, just agency life was, it was really fun. It was fast. You, you know, you were always building new websites or new digital brands and things like that. Um, but I found it was starting to feel like a little bit of a revolving door. Like you would you do this like real quick, you know, project, knock it out the door. Um, and then, um, but you wouldn't see it beyond that, you know, like, um, and there was a lot of, uh, I, I just started to notice that, you know, maybe there's something else out there. And then, I, so, um, I started to talk to some people in the tech community and then ultimately got some opportunities, um, in a product company where I could just take my skills that I had, you know, do learn doing digital marketing and website design on the one side of things and um, leverage it in a startup. Uh, so that was really my transition to go to being a, like a product marketing uh, where, you know, you were all of the uh, energy that you were investing was going to be permanent or semi-permanent, -per right? And that was really interesting. Like I really liked 
the idea that anything you do, you can, you know, look at the analytics, you can uh, work with a team long-term, you can own it. Um, that first company I worked with, it was uh, called Spotwave. They were a wireless repeater. So they did hardware to help boost signal in, um, uh, inside uh, buildings and homes where signal was, was poor. Uh, just because of the building architecture or whatever. And uh, so I was able to do, you know, all the marketing, even actually got into one of my small, like checkbox streams was to do some industrial design, actually ended up doing the industrial design for the the product at the time. So I, you know, I, most of my uh, roles, I get my hands dirty uh, to, you know, varying degrees and uh, yeah. And, and then, and ever since then it's been, Usually my roles oscillate between either some kind of commerce, um, you know, mobile or some kind of new tech that's kind of rolling out, um, you know, sometimes come back to, to uh, studio type environments again. Like right, right now I work at uh, this company called Relish Studios. They're actually like a animation games and digital uh, studio that's, uh, that's got a bunch of different locations across Canada. They're kind of like below the radar, but they're really super talented. And uh, so just helping them with the marketing uh, now. So hopefully that uh, <laughs> that gives you a little bit of a taste uh, test for, for my journey anyway. What's it like to get into industrial design from a non-industrial design perspective? Because there's like, it's a whole discipline in and of itself. And you have to know so much before going into it because especially a physical thing, is permanent, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you screw it up, you have to recall all those products or it just doesn't work. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would never claim that I'm as uh, a good industrial designer or have the, the real chops that those guys do. Um, but there's something in, so what, what I did there is I just, I concepted, you know, visual designs that represented the shape, the form and the shape. And um, without being the technical um, files, like all the CAD files and everything like that, that uh, are 3D, solid 3D or something like that, but they use, but I worked, I worked with two uh, industrial designers or mechanical designers and they would take the, the kind of core, once I got the core design kind of, people liked the way it looked they you know it was obviously relevant in the environment that this you know repeater was going to be used um wait, and so when you, when you say design are you referring to like a physical like you you make like plastic mock-ups you don't have a 3d printer or something at the time yeah were, were you making things or were you just drawing it out yeah it was literally like drawings at, at first yeah it was uh hand drawings and then illustrator drawings and then you know a little bit of photoshop for for photorealism um, I don't use 3d software or I didn't at the time. So yeah, it was all kind of just to, um, get a, a kind of a rendering that looked, okay, this looks like a, it could be a real thing. And it, and it, it was very, because I did the brand at the time, it, it, it was very much connected with the brand. There were subtle, you know, things that kind of connected, made it continuous and, uh, right down to like little, you know, LEDs were at the time that the brand was blue, there was blue LEDs and little, little details like that. Um, but then I worked with the mechanical designers because they're very much concerned about, um, 
the builds, like how things snap together, right? Um, you know, friction lock type things. And, and they're, they're very concerned about, apart from the, just the performance itself. And, and that's the board that's inside the plastics, right? Like a repeater, uh, wireless repeater is essentially, it's probably, you know, it, it's a, it's a board. There's, um, you know, heat sinks on the back. There's an antenna, um, hidden into the board and, uh, like an omnidirectional antenna, but it's covered in plastics, right? Mm-hmm. So cool. the part that I kind of created was how are we going to put some decent plastics on here that like, you know, represents the brand looks okay, looks different. And, uh, so I'd work with the mechanical designers to, um, make sure that we were keeping the cost down the bill of materials, the bomb, uh, to, to within a spec. So we would kind of, you know, brainstorm and figure it out. And yeah, it was, it was a really good experience. That's Very cool. cool. Uh, how, like, I want to ask a question because let's face it, you and I were working before G- <laughs> Mitch was even born. Uh, <laughs> how, how do you like, cause you, you were able to pivot and stay fresh to the game. Like I've worked with you very closely at one company and how did you as an individual, like what's, how do you stay fresh? How do you stay up to trends? How do you, like, what's your perception on that? Yeah. I think you just want to be interested. You just got to keep your eyes open and, and be learning. And I mean, I think just constant learning is, is it's interesting. And, um, it really just, I mean, you're the same way, Pascal, I know you are, is that you're constantly learning. You're constantly interested. You never want to be in the same place. You don't want to, um, you know, be <laughs> in any kind of like, um, where there's so much going on. I mean, let's face it, we got to be competitive too. So there's that aspect, right? Am I the most competitive guy? Probably not. I, I'm sure there's people that are far more than I, you know, cause like, you know, but, uh, yeah, we also have like a family, right? So, you know, if if we were comparing each other, um, not that we have to, not that we we would, but someone that is like in my position where doesn't have kids, still have a significant other, uh, but you have a family to take care of. You know, there's other aspects that kind of stop you from going all the way mm-hmm. uh, in that sense, but you can still be really competitive, and clearly you you are uh, trying to keep up with the industry in a way that in a way that that you can kept modern to the thing, but you mm-hmm. also pivoted, right? You evolved as the craft of design evolved. And I think what I've noticed a lot today and these days is like what, like and some stay connected to what they're doing. They don't want to like the design crafts. Let's face it. It's so wide. Like mm-hmm. even I, I started in like Photoshopping pictures for Microsoft, which is like, that was so boring, but I then, you know, evolved. And I think you evolved as well. And I think that, it's okay to be open to evolving. And like right now you're doing marketing. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you've never thought you would be doing that when you were in school, but now like you're head of marketing for relish. So I think it's, you've evolved with it. Mm-hmm. And you think that's something that allowed you to stay fresh and in the game? Yeah. Well, you're right about like there's in, in the industry, it, it's so broad, right? Like if you want to be a designer, you could be a you could be a print designer like a traditionally you could be a designer of just pure you know motion you can be a ui designer like there's so many avenues that you can go down or you can just be a creative director maybe you don't get your hands 
as dirty, but you love working with people. You love concepting, but you know, it's, you're not the hands necessarily that, that executes. Right. So, um, and the same is true in marketing, right? Mm. You can't, it'll be very difficult to become, you know, an expert in all of the different areas like PR and, and, uh, ads and ad campaigns and social, social media itself is just like vast. Right. So, um, but I think, openness to learning and just, I'm a problem solver by, by definition. I just, if depending on what the problem in front of me is, then you're going to, you're going to kind of unfold that, you know, learn like right now, uh, it was cut. We're doing a, uh, Kickstarter. Actually, there's a, uh, one of our, um, one of my compadres at work and they've just, you know, launched a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, well, he's kind of a one-man show, Mike Cassie, uh, and they're launching um, this uh, board game called Weirdwood Manor on Kickstarter right mm-hmm. now. And uh, he's done a fantastic job, like kind of building up the marketing campaign. But I mean, he's so he's doing so many things, and he's doing them really well. But he just needed an extra set of hands, so I I just kind of chipped in and helped um, just a small piece, uh, which is just to get some of the, um, you know, Facebook ads going, but it was kind of interesting where you can just, I've worked with Facebook, uh, ads before, but it was, it was fun because there's been a, maybe a year gap, uh, between the last time I used it and enough things had changed. It was just kind of nice to be into it again and, <laughs> and start to kind of get into it. Um, which, which reminds me of a quote that a, a buddy of mine said, um, Steve McKenzie, a great designer in Ottawa, and uh, he said, uh, he said, you know, JP, um, design is a muscle. And, and, and to me, it's just, it's so true. It's like getting your hands dirty within, whether it's like learning, you know, marketing or UI design or whatever it is, right? It's just like, you got you to gotta get in there and, and, and that's how you stay kind of fresh and fit, you know? Agreed. So... What does it take to be really good then, if not just fresh, but really good? A lot of hard work, I guess. <laughs> I'll, I'll let other people be the judge on, uh, you know, what's the definition of good, but, you know. Um, but what does it mean to you? Uh, to me, it's uh, being competent and being able to deliver on, you know, what your your mission is, right? So, um if that's, you know, building a, building a brand, uh, from scratch, kind of like bootstrapping and like a lot of startups I've worked for, they don't have a lot of money at the beginning. Right. So you, you know, either going to build it yourself or you're going to outsource, maybe, a, a you know, you hire someone or work with an agency. But, uh, I think, I think the definition of being good is being competent and, you know, delivering. Right on. I don't know. What do you guys think? What's your, what's your take on, on something like that? It's, I mean, it's pretty broad, right? Well, I, guess, I guess let's, let's scope it to your actual role. Like what would, what would be the definition of a satisfactory um, employee that would, that would be doing your role for those that are, that are listening that are, that want to, insp- want to aspire to be like you? Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, um, I look for if when we're when I'm building a team, um, I look for people who are um, 
first off, it's like you have to recruit them, right? So you got to get the right kind of people. So anyone who's, you know, as demonstrated previously that they have some skills in the particular area, whether it's social media or, you know, design skills. If you're a designer, I, I have to see a portfolio, right? That's just like, if I don't see a portfolio, like I'm not looking at your resume, right? Um, so have to demonstrate some competence there. Um, but from there, it's really, a lot of it is is attitude and, and, and hustle and, and ability to, um, kind of navigate and, and, you know, stay calm. And, and I think a lot of team building, um, you know, is, is the, the culture of that team. Right. And, um, you know, it's, if people are tuned into their job and you give them a role, part of being part of success and being good is being given a role that, that gives it people enough room to grow. Right. So if you give people a small little, you know, small portion of the role and it doesn't really have a lot of room for growth or, or adventure or anything like that, they're probably not going to perform as well. Like, I mean, there's, I know that there's a kind of, there's, you have to kind of trial out some people, but, uh, but I'm, I'm usually leaning towards giving people more room, make mistakes, um, especially in a startup, it may be different in other, other type companies where there has to be a lot more kind of discipline and rigor. Um, they have more money to, to spend, but I personally think is like uh, a lot of, a lot of that is uh, giving people room to grow. And it's like, you know, if we work together, we plan um, what the objectives are and say, you know, say Pascal, you know, I was working with you and it's like, we talk about what the objectives is, um, you know, you're going to come back with solutions. And then, you know, if I was, you know, the manager or something like that, I'd be like, okay, so, all right, well then you've, you've got your mission, right? It's like maybe some feedback, but it's like, okay, go, go do it. I, you know, I'm not going to get in your way. And, uh, I think that that's, that's how I, I've managed to be able to be successful. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, you know, as a leader is also being able to, you know, give that to, to other people and allow them to grow because small companies, you have to grow fast. You have to move fast. You can't be afraid, you know, so. Yeah. I, I think as a leader, you need to, you need to hire people almost smarter than you and give them room to grow and just remove the obstacles out of their way for yeah. them to succeed. Absolutely. Like that's, that's the role of any, I'm not seeing even like a manager but a, a leader as an individual inside a company, it doesn't matter like your ranking, but anybody that's, you know, a tier level or below or anything, your role as a, that leader is to empower them, give them room to succeed and fail, but remove the barriers. That's how they're going to push and more oftentimes than none. If you get out of the way, they're going to do it better than what you probably would have if you set them up for success. What I, what I like about what you just said though, is that, you know, when a leader, I guess when, when you define a leader compared to a follower or I don't even want to say follower because I don't think people necessarily are all followers, but if you had just the two polar opposites, if you had a leader and a follower, the real difference between a leader and a follower is that a leader does, right? Mm -hmm. And they do it first and they just get things done. And then people go, oh, cool. Let me continue doing that. Mm -hmm. And 
it's like you can step into that role of leadership wherever you are at any level that you're at, but you just have to do things. Uh, and it might not be the first, but it has to be in, in a way um, stepping up to the plate. Mm-hmm. That could be first. Sometimes, usually, it is first. But you have to step up and actually do and commit to an action. Uh, and I think that a lot of people are timid from from doing that. Do you have any tips on like how somebody can start to reconcile that and like in, in wherever whatever role they're in, start to do more? Yeah. Well, I guess you know everybody has fear about you know, moving to the next level or taking something on where there's risk, right? Like where there's risk, there's fear, but wherever there's risk, there's potentially some reward, um, personal or otherwise. And um, I think people just have to kind of go in with a certain level of fearlessness. You know, it was kind of funny. You were talking about kids, right, Mitchell? And and it's like, you can't, you can't be afraid of having, of, of doing some of these things. And because, Everybody, everybody who was successful had to do it wrong probably the first time or the second time until they did it enough that they got good at it, right? And, and you just, you'll never move if you don't take some chances and, and you know, to hate to say, you know, the old cliche, like fake it till you make it, but you got to kind of put that mindset is that, you know, if... If, uh, if I was this person, how would they do it? You know, maybe that's the way, right? Like if you have your own personal phobias about how to approach something, then sometimes it's good. I remember reading a book when I was younger, it was just, and it just said how, well, put your head, like put your mindset in someone else's shoes and how would they approach that? And then you, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, well maybe that's, yeah, maybe I don't need to be as, uh you know, as, as, as worried, but, uh, I think also, you so know, I'll, I'll, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you continue. Yeah. I was just going to make a point, you know, Pascal was saying, you know, how he, you, you know, get out of the way. And I think there's also something to be said about making in an environment for your team and the people around you that they know that if let's say, startups, everyone's learning, everyone's kind of jostling, bumping into each other. It's like you're, everyone's expected to move fast and perform. So I, I usually kind of take the approach. It's like, okay, we're all, we're all on a mission. We're going to bump into each other or whatever as in our, in our roles and and things Mm -hmm. are not always going to work right because, you know, projects don't always kind of run perfectly. And, but, um, you kind of like know that, well, I've got your back and, and, you know, you, you got to look out for people and, or if they're junior to you is that they know that even if they make a mistake, they're not going to be reprimanded. They don't have to look out for the jobs. Like, yeah, I don't mind if you make a mistake. It's like, it, it's, it means that you're probably moving fast and you're, you know, getting a lot of stuff done and the fat, you know, usually the faster you the move and the more you get done, there's going to be little, you know, there's going to be things. So I kind of like to take that approach. It may be right, maybe you're wrong, but seems to what what i like about what you said like the first part you said was about emulation and then the second part you said was about what do you do when you get to that point and make it available for others to achieve uh one thing that i tend to do which i've noticed i guess now that i'm reflecting on on your, your point of emulation of like trying to emulate another leader that's done it really well it's like oh how would this person do it and then you go off and try to emulate their actions based on their previous actions but I 
tend to not think of other, in my case, another, I guess, another strategy somebody can use in, in my case. And Pascal, uh, I'm sure you, you've seen this in me quite a bit. I just give no fucks. And I just said, all right, like whatever the consequences are, I'll take them because the risk, because you mentioned before risk, the risk to reward is so high, right? You're going to have maybe a big risk and like lose out and then get fired. Like that's like the biggest risk everyone like mostly fears. But if you succeed, the success of that is so much greater that if you need to get a new job, like no biggie, you can say you tried doing that and you had a fun time and you have a good experience. You had a good story to tell, but if you don't try it, then I think that I would regret that more. So in, in my opinion, especially when I work right now with Pascal, if you just give no fuck, and I hate saying that because it's like that is in and of itself a cliche. And yeah. there's like a book it's that, you know, the curse word, or whatever. Yeah. Um, this is going to be marked as explicit, by the way. Um, so feel free to curse. Yeah, right on. I think when you then take on that as another strategy, that mentality, you can let go of some of those fears and you can just commit to the action. Uh, it's something that, you know, uh, they do at Amazon. They, they say we commit. And I don't know what the exact phrasing is, but they kind of like don't agree, but they commit. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of bouncing a little bit off that, even though, mm -hmm. you know, you, it's not about agreeing or not, but having the mentality of like, okay, like who cares if you fail? Uh, there's going to be other opportunities out there in the world. Like you're not going to end up in a box. That to me is like so freeing. And it's kind of like why Pascal and I started this podcast, like, and, and the newsletter and the other stuff that we're doing. Yeah. It's because we don't care if we fail. Like we fail, we had fun, we learned a lot, and then we go yeah. back to our other jobs and do other contracts and stuff. So that's another strategy. Absolutely. And if, and I like even you you're learning so much, or even if you get a number of podcasts and and someone finds some utility out of it, that's not failure, right? I mean, it's I suppose if you had some, you know, this this you know, maybe an ambition to grow it to, you know, 3 million you know, subs and, and, and whatnot. But I usually think is that every, every step forward is something kind of gained. And, and mm -hmm. like you say, you, you can't worry too much about what will go wrong. It's just, and I find usually, I'm yeah. sure it's the same with you guys, right? It's like, you got a passion that you're kind of riding anyway. You got an idea. You just want to see it through. Like, heck, why not? Like, fuck it. <laughs> I think, and I think it's a, you, you need to be in a mentality where you fail forward. Mm. Where you, it doesn't matter if you're failing or not, but you fail forward because any less, anytime you fail, it's a lesson forward that you're not going to repeat or you're going to adjust your next move on. So that failing forward, like if you, if you see it in a way, it doesn't matter. Like I, I'm a big advocate of fake it till you make it. Like everybody that comes to me, do you not? Know yes, I know, I know how to do it. <laughs> like I'm going to learn how to do it. Like yeah. I know I, like, I'm, but the thing is, I know in my capabilities, I know in my strengths and I know if I don't know it right away or I don't know a hundred percent of it, I'm going to learn it. So like, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's just a, a matter of like confidence. It's building on top of your career and your successes. And any, like, when you look back at everything you've achieved, man, like your portfolio of life is impressive. If you take the time to look at it. It may not be like the new design trend that you've designed. Okay, maybe not. But if like the portfolio of success that you have, 
are valuable to be able to add any success to any company or, or anybody. So I think it's interesting in that format mm -hmm. of fail forward, learn, move on. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, okay. Line. So it's a great line. There's one thing I, I, I don't know if I disagree with it, but I would kind of pull out, push it. it I'm going to push it. Uh, kind of like Jenga, just pop it right out. I think that unlike every other industry, designers have a unique ability to transition their skill sets to other applications. And like an accountant can't necessarily design a logo. Like, I'm sorry to say that. Um, a doctor's not going to spend time, you know, building a website. It's not going to happen. Uh, very unlikely, at least. But, you know, I think that we have this we already it's already baked into our discipline fake it till you make it because like how many designers knew exactly how to do that logo or that like you're saying before the plastic around the things your first time doing it like you didn't say no but you're responsible for getting it done and mm -hmm. that's kind of a lot of times what designers are they kind of are just the ones who are responsible for getting those creative quote-unquote creative which in my opinion i don't even think it's creative i just think it's like a necessary like fixture of i guess emotional uh design but you know we have it baked into our discipline which gives us a greater advantage over the rest of the population in, in my opinion yeah i think there's the connective tissue between you know because if you if you look at like the design practice and those skill sets and you look at marketing but they're but they're all at the end of the day, a designer is customer facing. He's creating mm -hmm. the logo that, uh, you know, the end consumer is recognizing and, or the, you know, the UI is whether the UI is the product or it's just the storefront, but it's like, this is all packaging and this is all like, so it's very much so. And in marketing, you're customer facing and we, and, by the way, you know, we use designers or we build the website or we um, inform, you know, the product management of, you know, some some of the things that, you know, the the product may need. So I find that's why it, it that's why some a designer like the skill sets very are, are transferable. And in fact, I never really I never saw that line other than the fact that, yes, the roles you are responsible for different things as a designer or as a UI designer or as a, um, as a product marketing person. And even like within just Marcoms and product marketing, like there's, there's a division there in terms of the traditional kind of responsibilities. But um, these are all things that you can augment. A designer could easily augment their skill set with learning a couple of, you know, columns of skills whether it would be, you know, say, um, uh, you know, marketing automation, you know, say like mm -hmm. HubSpot or one of these tools in, in conjunction with their, you know, their, their design skills. And they would be very, they would be a, a pretty powerful, you know, that's a good combination or learning the, the, uh, the social platforms for, for advertising, right? Like there's a whole air, like you want to work remote, just learn Facebook ads. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it, there's it's so deep um, that you could just spend a lot of time there, and then you. But but as a designer, you bring all those great skills and into those the, you know building ads and stuff like that. 
the, the platform's pretty easy to, to, to use. So I think that it's very transferable. Yeah. I think, uh, I think in the designer space, the more you move up, the more your skills become transferable, the more you can transfer to project manager, you can transfer to marketing, you can transfer to product owner, you can transfer to like manager or like VP, I think business roles. I think the, the more you design in this space, the more you realize that you acquire a lot of skills and the more you can grow. So it's not just pixel pushing. You can transfer a lot of the skills. Although there's a lot of pixel pushing. <laughs> when you start, when you start, there is a lot. Uh, I think but a if, lot. Like overall, you're still for a long time. <laughs> you made a good point, Pascal, as far as uh, so the people who can become a product uh, designer or even a product manager. Like I think of the, <clears throat> the digital products these days. So if you're a UI designer, UX designer, you understand use cases, you understand like, you know, kind of target audiences, you, you understand like function, you know, functional specs and wireframes and all that. Those are all things that actually like a lot, I've met, you know, product managers who were former, you know, um, digital designers and they just, they kind of just moved up the food chain a little bit, but, and then, yeah. so they knew how to direct other designers, UI designers, but now they were responsible for the overarching kind of product vision and, and stuff. So yeah, there's definitely some, you know, interesting career paths that you can take, even if you're not in the, the going from an IC to a manager is a really interesting path because in my opinion, at least a good manager doesn't mean I'm sorry, a good designer doesn't mean, mean that you're going to be a good manager and vice versa. Cause like there's a lot of people, or like yeah. managing right and then there's like the project management but uh you know a lot of the time i noticed that when people moved up to become managers in the past that i've worked with they were really bad at actually managing people even though they understood i think they're really good at understanding the projects and the project needs but they're very bad at understanding the people that they're working with needs because no longer are they collaborating mm -hmm. they're they're actually forced in the position of we got to do your HR stuff. We got to deal, deal with the money stuff. We have to deal with all these other incentives. So they become kind of rocky in that. And then actually recently, Facebook apparently, uh, or Meta, whatever it's called, they're asking a lot of their managers to go back to becoming ICs. And they're letting go of a lot of other yeah. managers. So I would love to, to kind of jump off of that point a little bit. And like, what do you think about how going backwards into an IC role and the importance of a designer versus a manager, because it seems like there's many experiments of like people firing all the managers and they have no managers. And then it's like, you know, certain teams, like certain sizes there, you know, you don't really want a bunch of managers and a different like level of hierarchy in a small team. You want to keep it pretty close to like central control. And like, if there's like only two levels of like executives and then there's everyone as a contributor, that works really well and you don't want, you want to add an extra layer in between. But when you have so many people, you have to scale the decision-making. You have to start to delegate. You have to figure out how you can organize all of these people into the mm -hmm. same goals. And that requires then some levels of hierarchy. So can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think, you know, some hierarchy is good because it also separates, you know, the, uh, I mean, I haven't worked, since Dell, I haven't worked in a, you know, in a really big company where, you know, you were, they, they always had 
teams and they had team leads. And the only person that you would really deal with, like say on Dell Online, you know, the on the e-commerce side, we I I had I worked with three executives and one was marketing, one was on the tech, you know, like the CTO, and one was on the business side. And so you didn't have to deal with, you know, the CEO or any other people kind of coming down and and potentially um, distracting or redirecting the team. So you do, it's probably good that there's some kind of ownership of the, you know, that, that kind of middle layer of management and then they can kind of keep the, the team happy and, and kind of on focus. Um, but having said that, yeah, it's, it's tricky to, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, there's so many facets to being a manager or to being a designer on both sides and the way that they perceive. I mean, I know that, you know, when I was a, a manager is I'm sure there was guys that I could tell that some people didn't like, it's like, this is my design. <laughs> and they almost didn't like, like a little bit of that, the senior seniority perhaps that would potentially direct and I think there was there was kind of like a good back and forth of of ideas like flowing both ways, and then as a manager you gotta you know get around um, different personalities, people in different stages of their mm-hmm. career, mm-hmm. Um, you know different work styles, and you're trying to you know trying to rally everybody around a, a shared mission, get stuff done, you know keep you know maybe there's outside um, you know forces you know, like in the company, uh, that you got to try to kind of manage and, and keep people, you know, in, in a, in a good state of mind. And so, um, I got a couple of thoughts on, yeah, yeah, go ahead, like exactly. the, the, I mean, it can go in direction. No, but I have thoughts on like Mitchell's comment and, and your point of view. I don't see going like going from a manager to going back to IC as going backwards hmm. to me. Like, like as an example, as a design principle, you're the equivalent of of what like manager director is. It's just you're just pushing pixels or influencing that craft. And even if if you're not at you know just a senior or just a designer who transitions to manager, I don't see it as backwards. I just see it as like it's a lateral move. You're mm. one day or one day, hmm. in my point of view. I also think that once you get to a manager, the hardest thing is get the fuck out of the way. That's the hardest thing that we tend to do as designers who transition is we still want to influence. We still want to pixel push. Like if you're not a creative director, you're just literally just a manager. It's hard to make that transition because you got to have total faith in what your designer team is going to be doing. So it's hard to do that, but you got to, in my opinion, get out of the way, put everything they you have and allow them to grow and design and I think, I don't know. I think it's going to be hard. It's hard for me if I'm not a player coach in a way. So I know I still struggle with it, but still, I think it's that point. And another thing is too, is that oftentimes people think that to be the best design manager, you previously had to be a designer. I was on this big Twitter fight like a couple of weeks ago on that. And I totally disagree. Some of the best managers I've ever had were non-designers. They were just managing, good at managing people, mm-hmm. opening up the rooms for you and getting things out of the way so you could do your best work. Yes, they, you know, you need a sense of 
design and 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 outcomes and business and impacts and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you need to be a next designer to be a great design manager. I don't agree with that. And yeah, I would say I, I'd say that's yeah. true. Yeah, I feel I feel kind of the same way. It's uh, is that really it. <laughs> A manager has to be, well, he has to understand the business, what the true objective is, and don't not get down into the weeds of design, um, even though he may have some, you know, subjective feelings on that. But mm -hmm. it, like at the end of the day, um, but they really have to be a good uh, people manager, right? Build the right, yep. build the right talent, allow them to do the job that they were intended to do and, you know, keep everyone kind of in the same same direction so yeah that's a good good point i think mitchell has his arms crossed he's gonna come back with the <laughs> counter argument right now i know it i feel it this is a podcast where we get to challenge each other and push back cool. even if we don't agree with what we say uh it's just a cool space to to chat i would say one thing the only thing i don't agree with per se is what you said about it's like going it's not it's not like going backwards in your career when you go from manager to IC. At Facebook, they actually I don't think they change like the amount of pay. It's kind of like the same uh, level whether you're a manager or an IC. They just kind of transition it the same way. And I remember reading about that when I was doing the interview process, which I declined by the way after I finished. Uh, so screw you, Meta. But um, what I would say, though, is that there is actually a problem with going back to IC. If you don't go back to IC immediately after going, like trying out manager, you spend a lot of time doing management, you kind of forget and you kind of lose track of the tools. And what we're understanding now is how important it is to stay up to date mm -hmm. and stay fresh with the tools like ChatGPT. If you're not trying it out, you're not using it in your work, like we're using it in our work for, for, for marketing, right? Doing a lot of marketing materials, using it for copy content, using it for yeah. ideas for titles and, and, and keeping things engaging and stuff. It's a great thing just to bounce ideas off of because it's always going to give a response. Even if it's a bad response, it's going to give you a, a response. You can then get inspired to get a better response, get a better output. One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. But, but what what do you think about that? Like when you're not constantly going at the pixels, you're not constantly actually working on the craft. You go back, to, you go to people's, and then you switch back after like five years. Yeah. You're missing out all the tools, all time training, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. They, again, it's that like uh, design is a muscle thing, right? So it's mm -hmm. it's like I would never kid myself to think that I uh, like I have the chops because these guys, you know, people used to do the design and say Photoshop, and then it's moved to to uh, like uh, you know InDesign, then Figma, and so you got to be kind of to be a high performance, not only a good designer with the sense of it, but it's also about speed to get to the, the good ideas really quickly and mm -hmm. knock designs out. And um, I mean, if you're kind of like me, I'd be like a dinosaur, right? I just, there's no <laughs> way I could, there's no way I could, I could see what I would want. And I'd rather, I would rather mm -hmm. like just art direct and say, you know, mm -hmm. here's some ideas. And then I riff off of what the designer is doing. And I think I even did that back in the day, which is designers come up with some great stuff and they're technically good. And, and it would just be to help guide them as in, oh, you were doing an awesome thing here. And then, you know, somewhere along the line, they kind of get off track or say, just kind of bring them back and, and, and riff off those ideas and, and allow them to do their best work. 
Um, yeah. So what, what I think and correct me if I'm wrong is the tools of the future are going to make you specifically your role extremely important and even more important than it is today and make roles like we previously all had IC roles less important because you're going to creative direct a computer to do the work for you now yeah, we're doing like that ai is going to do like, that yeah some of the guys it, that work here at relish like we're just they're playing around with it and they're an animation studio so they obviously know how to do it the traditional way but we're mm -hmm. um you know using some of the other tools and you know they like put what this, what's that like, like what uh oh gosh what's the name of the the tool that they are using oh, is it um is it like a video tool or is it a image creation? It's an Im image. It was an image creation. Like I was using okay, so like stable diffusion or Adobe Firefly or something. Uh, I think Firefly was one of them and mm -hmm. maybe uh, one other one, but it basically just looked like it was like uh, an interface. It's, I mean, it's like literally it's like slash imagine. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you put in like dystopian, uh, you know, pickle sales guy. <laughs> and, it, and it was just, and, um, and then what came out was just incredible. Like it was mm -hmm. just mind blowing. Um, so, and that's just with a little bit of work. So, but, but even then the guys that are using it knew how to use manipulate, you know, that particular tool. And, but I think the learning curve is not super huge. And I, I think just all of those tools are accelerators. Maybe it's, um, you know, they still need human input to direct them to get the right result. They may not replace a hundred percent, but I think they just, you know, they just make things faster. Like instead of me researching about, you know, the, uh, the merits and the, uh, of uh, the metaverse as a marketing tool for museums uh, or for youth and education and, you know, give me da uh, data to prove that it's like, I could just, I put that in and then it just like, builds out like an, uh, a outline of an ebook. I'm still going to have a yeah. writer go through it and we're going to still add to it, but damn, I mean, it was able to create that with, you know, um, so much more easily, you know, just at least a raw outline. So that's pretty awesome. What I love is like, you're almost like composing it. Like you're kind of giving it enough direction to make music, but it can't do it on its own. It still has some direction being informed by you i wonder how much of that is like pushing the limits where it's like every bit of it is is by itself or like a 50 percent is you and 50 percent is you know the machine you kind of get inspired by it and you kind of modify it because you can kind of take it and then redo parts of it in like different tools you can kind of retouch it yeah. up and stuff that's really cool it really We're could be nice show soon what's that pascal I said, we're going to be maestros, like just with the hand one and just guiding the, everything from the back. Yeah, exactly. It's like you could, I think there is that point where you can truly just compose you, whatever you want in terms of something written or animated or rendered yeah. or even like a, a short film, it's going to be able to do, they just, they're just, actually one of the things the guys told me is, is that depending on which tool you use, the result is is largely based on the data the data that it has already seen, and different tools have different data, and that's how it kind of spits out the result. But so all you only have to assume is the 
the more access as these kind of some of these tools will probably like aggregate together um, into kind of like giant brain um, and, and and that anything that you want visually or motion or like as a designer, it's going to be able to spit out for you with a, a yeah, certain degree of like would it actually be good quality. And then it's just about, okay, can now um, whatever it renders out, whether that's a website or an app or, or, or something written is that it's not just one and done. It's that you can actually throttle it and have, you know, some degree of, of editing ability to affect the result. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that again becomes, then it, then it's kind of more tailored and then you're being really precise with the result. So that's, yeah, it's pretty cool. So not to cut this short, but we're almost up on time. And I definitely want to ask our final question, which is since we've been talking about how you've been shaping the world of design, how has design shaped you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just, I just look around me and I'm always inspired. Um, so I, you know, my wife makes fun of me because it's like, I, I pay attention to visual things. So, you know, um, she goes, Oh, why? Like, I don't know. I just, I just see the world around me. I I'm sure it, it has impacted everything I do, whether it's like, you know, brands and, and, um, whether it's products, um, or whether it's going to be something outside of the work environment, like, you know, before I die, I, I want to, you know, architect my own house. I mean, I, I have to do that, right? It's just one of these things. And so um, I just hope that I get to do, you know, get to do the things that I really dream of. And uh, I just think it's, it's been a, it's, it's a great industry. It's always changing. There's so many avenues, like you can just go nuts. And I think it's just for anyone who's in, you know, as a designer now or thinking about it or even, you know, picking their path, there's no, like, there's no, no rules to anything anymore. And if you can be reasonably good at something and kind of, and you have passion and you got a good attitude, just pick off, like pick the direction you want to go because it's, I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, you can really make it happen. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you. Uh, uh, do you have anything to plug or, or you want to uh, tell us where anyone can find you on, online? Yeah, you can. Um, I'm going to plug a couple things. Sure. So uh, right now, uh, Relish. So I was mentioning Weirdwood Manor. It's a super cool board game. It's on Kickstarter. Um, take a look at it there. Uh, it's uh, it's super cool kind of fantasy game. Um, also I'll make a little, if you want to look for me, I'm, um, on Instagram and, uh, you can look for Rome apparel and, uh, that's kind of my little, uh, side hustle. I, I kind of do, it's a mix between like my own personal adventures and, uh, and, uh, my, my t-shirts and things like that, that I just, I'm kind of just interested in. I just like e-commerce and selling stuff and so yeah so look at at rome apparel or romeapparel.com and uh yeah feel free to uh give me a give me a shout anytime happy to i'm on linkedin too of course so jp burdett hit me up cool yeah we'll you'll, leave all you'll all that see a lot show. of yeah. and you'll see a lot of motocross stuff on his uh rome stuff on instagram yeah, that, actually, that's another one. So I divide up all my Instagram. Oh. So I've got like Raven. Oh my and God. Girl, that's all off roads. I got a bunch of them. I, I, it depends. 
because they're so specialized, right? So yeah, you you are <laughs> such a marketer, <laughs> so good at like narrowing the scope and just focusing I, yeah, it it's all and knowing your audience. Niche marketing, like you know, people who were in, and that was me, right? I loved VW vans and and that sort of thing. That's kind of how Rome was born, was uh, my love of, of travel and and uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, I love that. I love the idea of like how you get inspired to create something that somebody can also wear but it's like there's a meaning behind it I actually i would love to talk to you sometime offline and then maybe we'll yeah. come back on the pod and talk about it about a clothing brand that my girlfriend and i want to potentially work on and maybe you can give us some tips on that oh awesome yeah absolutely would love to sounds good sweet all right thanks everyone hey thanks, thanks. guys